0: Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we are so privileged to be here on your beautiful Sabbath day. Lord, I just want to thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Father, we are here to learn from your word, to receive a message from you. Father, I just pray may your Holy Spirit speak. May Jesus and Jesus alone be lifted up. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. We are in the book of Hebrews, and this morning we will be considering our theme text found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Jump with me now to verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been what? Trained there Notice with me. Does it say that everyone will experience the peaceable fruits of righteousness? It does not. Who will receive it? Those who have been trained by it. You see... Two of us could go through the same trial, one receive a blessing and one not. If I grit my teeth and I will bear this trial out, I will lose my blessing. Whereas if I say, Lord, I want to be trained through this trial. Lord, change my character. Lord, guide me through the trial. When we are trained thereby, that is when we receive the blessing. Is that clear from this passage this morning? Continuing now to further reiterate this point, we are in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we are going to be looking at verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, how many of you count it all joy naturally when you fall into trials? When that person cuts you off on the freeway, when you stub your toe on the side of the bed, does it naturally come forth from us? Oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) By the grace of God, we pray so. But that is what we are encouraged and counseled here. Again, we are told, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience, but let your patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Your patience needs to have its perfect what? Its perfect work. If I just sit there and I'm gritting my teeth or I'm just going to make it happen, am I going to experience the blessing of the trial? No. No. It is only when I allow that trial to work that perfect work in me, it is only when I can look at that trial and say, Lord, I am going to choose to rejoice. That is when the trial can bring a lasting change in my life. Is that clear this morning? It is when we again turn to God and allow God to take that trial and turn it into a blessing. This morning we are going to be considering together five ways That we can either despise the chastening, as Paul put it, or, as I will share today, lose the blessing of the trial. Five ways in which we might be tempted to lose the blessing of the trial, and how we can again experience the victory in Christ. The first way in which we often lose the blessing of the trial is when we murmur at the trial. Is it easy for us to murmur? How often we look at the Israelites of old and we think, what were you thinking? Do you not realize that God brought you through that Red Sea? Do you not realize that he is pouring down manna from heaven? Do you not see the ways that God is providing for you? And yet you are questioning him? And yet you are saying, God, where are you? God, it'd be better for us to die? Or maybe we consider the story of Elijah a man again of great faith. And there he stood, a fearless defender of the truth. There he stood on the mount. And he called down by the grace of God, fire from heaven. He sees the prophets of Baal slaughtered before him. This great man of faith that knew the rain would come, though he only saw the drought. And yet, just a couple days later, He is running for his life from an angry woman. How does this man go from being this incredible man of faith to running for his life? Terrified of a human being. And we look at these examples and we say, how is that possible? I would never do that. There's no way. And yet then we find ourselves in the longest line possible (laughs) at the grocery store. Or we find ourselves cut off in traffic. Or we find ourselves facing our boards or the final exams. And and there we are saying, Lord, it's enough. Just let me die. (laughs) Lord, I can't do it anymore. For a trial so much less, we are willing to die. Do we murmur at the trial sometimes? You've heard it said before somewhat humorously. If you pray for patience, expect delays. (laughs) Have you ever prayed for patience and then every single car on the freeway cuts you off? (laughs) You pray to have a deeper love for others and then your heart is broken? You pray for these experiences and then it seems to go all wrong and you say, God, why? God, that doesn't make sense. That's not what was supposed to happen. And yet, you see, it is often indeed through the trial itself that God is answering our prayer. It is through the trial that God is giving us that opportunity to grow. In the book, Ministry of Healing, we read it this way. She says, Each one has a personal battle to fight. Not even God can make our characters noble or our lives useful unless we become co-workers with him. Those who decline the struggle lose the strength and joy of victory. Today, do you want to experience the strength and joy of victory? Amen. Amen. But you see, it comes through the trial. Do you see what you just signed up for? <laughs> but notice with me. It says not even God can make our characters, characters noble unless we become co-workers with him. This is not a work we do in and of ourselves. We cannot in and of ourselves go through a trial praising God for it. That is not natural. It has to be God doing that work in us. Philippians chapter 2 tells us, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds like a Jonathan Edwards sermon, does it not? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Work it out. Do it yourself. But I praise God for the second verse that adds the clarification we need. For it is God. For it is God who works in you both to will and to... Do according to his good pleasure. You see, I cannot in and of myself refuse to murmur at the trial. But I can choose to align my will with God and ask God, God, work it within me. God, give me the power. Give me the grace as you have promised. So again, the first way we can lose that blessing It's when we murmur at the trial. The second way that we can lose a blessing is when we think no good can come from it. Have you been there before? Nothing good can possibly come from this situation. You may wonder how something good can come from losing your job. You may think, how could something good come from till death do us part, ending by the other woman? You may think, what good can come from a young life being taken far too soon? What good can come? You see, they were afraid. They were trembling, afraid for their very lives. And there they stood before their brother. Their father had just passed away and now nothing stood between them. Nothing could protect them from their brother's wrath. And as they plead before Joseph, they say, Joseph, please don't kill us. And Joseph says, am I God? I do not stand in place of God before you. And in fact, this man of faith could say in Genesis 50 and verse 20, but as for you, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, did Joseph have a difficult experience? Being taken from the only parent, the one he loved so deeply, and there he is now treated as a slave, chained, bound, There he is being accused of horrible sins he had never committed. There he is knowing that through all of his life he would never see his father again. And yet by faith at the end of his life he could say, You meant it for bad, but God turned it for good. It is because of that painful situation that Joseph was then able to save his family through the famine. And that Joseph was able to save countless thousands and millions more. You see, you meant it for bad, but God turned it to good. Can God do the same thing in our lives? When we see those situations, we think, nothing good. And God says, you have no clue yet. Just you wait and see. Isaiah 55 reminds us, God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. God's plans for us are so much greater than we can imagine. Continuing in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Let's turn there together. It's a familiar text, but it's one worthy of contemplation. Romans chapter 8, and we are looking at verse 28. Romans 8 and verse 28. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice with me here does the Bible say that all things are good? It does not. Do bad things happen? Absolutely. But here in this Bible verse, we can claim the promise that even those bad things, all things can work together for good. If we allow it, God will take the broken pieces of our life and turn it into something beautiful. God can take all things together for good. You see, sometimes we focus so closely on the trial that we lose the blessing of the journey. There's a woman by the name of Corey Tinboom. I recently read her book entitled The Hiding Place. Has anyone read that book before? I would highly encourage it. It's an incredibly inspirational book. And as I was reading, one quote in particular stood out to me. Actually, let me give you a little background of her first. Corey Tinboom, her family was hiding Jews during World War II. They were betrayed, turned into the Gestapo. There they are in concentration camps where her elderly father and her sister die. How would you feel in that situation? Do you think there might be some bitterness and pain? And yet, even in that experience, Corey Tinboom penned these words Every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our path. Is the perfect preparation for the future that only God can see. Every experience God gives us, every person He puts in our path, is the perfect preparation for the future only God can see. And she believed those words by faith. The third way that we can lose our blessing is when we do not earnestly seek to grow thereby. We lose our blessing when we do not earnestly seek to grow thereby. Day after day after day, they were beat, they were thrown in prison, they were in abject poverty, slaves to a cruel nation. While their deliverer sat in the wilderness, watching sheep. Forty years, day after day after day of captivity, lives passing away in this situation, and yet Moses sat there babysitting sheep. Might we look at that situation and say, 40 wasted years? How many more years of prosperity and joy could they not have experienced? And yet, you see, Moses did not sit there looking at his watch. Are we there yet, Lord? Are we almost done? Rather, the preparation that Moses needed in order to become the deliverer could only be found in 40 years of sheep watching. It was through the day in and day out experiences that Moses was being trained for the mission ahead. And it is the same for us today? Sometimes when we are doing the mundane tasks in life, we might think, is there anything good in this? Will anything good come from this? And yet that might be the very training we need for the future plans that God has before us. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians. We are in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And we are going to be considering verse 6, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. I think this is a favorite Bible verse for many students. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that promise today? I am so thankful that the God who began this race, the author is both the author and the finisher. The one who began is the one who will complete it. But you see, it's easy for us to use this verse out of context, is it not? The one who brought me to med school is the one who will take me through it. The one who brought me to dentistry is the one who will take me through it. The one that brought me to Loma Linda is the one. But is that what the Bible verse says? the Bible says being confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work, where? In you will be faithful to complete it. The ending is not guaranteed. It is not saying that he who brought you to med school will be faithful to make you ace all of your exams in med school. That is not what the text says. Rather, he who has begun the good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God sees through different eyes than our own. Maybe we were called to come here, not for the degree, but for the student sitting next to us that God wants us to encourage. Maybe God brought us here, again, not for the degree, not for the prestige, but for the classmate that is struggling in their faith and that you can witness and share your journey with. You see, God's eyes are very different than our own. God is promising that he will continue that good work in us. Fourth, we lose the blessing when we doubt if we are a child of God. We lose the blessing when we doubt if we are a child of God. Have you ever doubted? You face a trial... You face an obstacle, and maybe you keep hitting it over and over and over again, and you're saying, God, if you love me, why are these things happening to me? God, if you brought me here, why is it so hard? And yet I think of the story of a man who lost all his belongings, a man whose children were killed, a man whose servants were slaughtered, a man whose own wife came to him and said, you might as well curse God and die. Could you say that man had a lot to complain about? And you see, we can look at the story of Job, and we can say, well, there was a whole great controversy going on in heaven. Satan was accusing God. Well, God, you only bless him. Let me show you what he would be like if you curse him. We know that there was a behind-the-scenes story, do we not? Did Job know? He did not know. He did not know that the character of God was being proven through his faith or lack thereof. And yet in the big picture, that is what is occurring in every single one of our lives here as well. Just because the trial comes does not mean we are not a child. In fact, considering Hebrews 12, who does the father chasten? The son. Anyone can balance the cup of blessing, but only the faithful can be entrusted with the cup of suffering. Ministry of Healing, page 471. She tells us many who sincerely consecrate their lives to God's service are surprised and disappointed to find themselves as never before. Confronted by obstacles and beset by trials and perplexities. Does this sound familiar to anyone? You surrender all to God. You say, okay, God, I want to be faithful to you. And suddenly your life becomes rather difficult. Suddenly you find yourself losing your temper more or struggling with patience or whatever your situation may be. She continues. They pray for Christ-likeness of character, for a fitness for the Lord's work, and they are placed in circumstances which seem to call forth all the evil of their nature. Faults are revealed, of which they did not even suspect the existence. Like Israel of old, they question, If God is leading us, why do all these things come upon us? But, she reiterates, It is because God is leading them that all these things come upon them. Trials and obstacles are the Lord's chosen methods of discipline and his appointed conditions of success. He who reads the hearts of men knows their characters better than they know themselves. Is that true? He sees that some have powers and susceptibilities which, if rightly directed, might be used in the advancement of his work. In his providence, he brings these persons into different positions and varied circumstances that they may discover in their character the defects which have been concealed from their knowledge. He gives them opportunity to correct these defects and to fit themselves for his service. And now, as we close this passage, she says, Often he permits the fires of affliction to assail them that they may be purified. The fact that we are called upon to endure trials shows that the Lord Jesus sees in us something precious which he desires to develop. Beautiful words. I think we can all relate to that struggle. The fact that we go through these challenges just prove that you are a child, that God loves you, and that God is going to continue to work in your life. As I mentioned, I'm from Northern California, and my parents have a small garden, and we have horses and chickens and all those fun creatures. And my goal is to be a little better at gardening over the next couple of years here at Loma Linda. Now let's say that I go out to my garden, and I'm about to prune some of the trees or flower bushes or whatever I need to prune, and and as I'm walking out to the garden, I notice that right in the middle of my plot of land is this massive weed. When I walk over to that weed, will I begin to gingerly prune the leaves? Now what am I gonna do with that weed? I'm gonna yank it out by the roots, am I not? Do I care about the feelings of that weed? (laughs) Not much. I want it gone and dead, right? But do I care about the tomato plant? Certainly. And you see, that's how God works in our lives too. It is because you are being pruned that you can know God loves you. You're not a weed that he's seeking to pull out and destroy. He loves you. And that's why he's giving us these opportunities to grow and to become more like him. And lastly, point five. We lose the blessing when we think we can never overcome the trial. We lose the blessing when we think we cannot possibly overcome. You see, like Lot's wife of old, We are so focused on the pain that we freeze in our past. She turned around and looked instead of moving forward, and she froze in her past. And so, too, we can do the same when God is calling us instead to go forward. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at this from the example of Christ from one of his healing acts in John chapter 5 In John chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 John chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 the Bible says After this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Continuing in verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Can you imagine lying there for 38 years? When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I don't know about you, but those words sound very odd to me. Imagine if I was to go to Loma Linda Hospital and I go up to a cancer patient who is struggling to breathe and I say, Do you want to be made well? What would you think of me? We'll use nice terms, please. (laughs) That's crazy, is it not? Of course, what would they respond? What would they say? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Please, I want to be made well. You see a child who is there struggling Do you want to be made well? No, no, I'd rather stay sick for the next 38 years. It doesn't make logical sense, and yet Jesus did not even force healing upon anyone. Is this your desire? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him in verse 7, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Did he answer the question? No, he did not. Instead, he offered an excuse. Here Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Well, I can't. You know, I'd like to, that sounds nice and all, but you see all the people and the water stirs and there's no way, they trample. me. Like, I can't. Do you see this here? Jesus offers healing and he offers excuses in return do you want to be made heal but notice jesus does not respond to it in verse 8 he says rise take up your bed and do what and walk you see we may not be suffering under an infirmity for 38 years but every single one of us has a different journey and a different struggle And God today may be speaking to us and say, do you want to be made well? No, Lord, you know, I've tried that in the past, but for the last 30 years, I've had a horrible temper. Lord, there's no way I can get over it. Well, no, Lord, you know, it'd be nice to be made well and everything, but I've watched pornography for years. There's no way I could give up this habit. I've tried before, and it hasn't ended. Well, no, Lord, I I know gossip is bad. I know I should give that up, but I just can't think of anything else to talk about. but you hear me, do you not? And we offer these excuses when God offers healing. Notice Jesus did not enter into that battleground. He did not banter with the excuses, oh, well, let me see if I can carry you closer to the pool so you can get in more readily. Is that what Christ did? No, he said, brother, lift up your bed, rise up and walk. The same promise is offered to us today. Today, Jesus is saying to every single one of us, do you want to be made well? I don't know the struggle. I don't know the addiction. Jesus does. Do you want to be made well? Well, no, Lord. No. Do you want it? Because if we desire it by the grace of God, he is the one who both wills it and does it. He is the one who will call us to rise and the one that gives us the strength to do so. And through the power of Christ, today we can say, yes, Lord, I want to be made well. Yes, Lord, I want to experience the healing from these trials in my life. Yes, Lord, I want to walk forward in faith. Yes, Lord, I want to experience that victory in you. Yes, Lord, I want to be well. You see, today I firmly believe that there is healing at the foot of the cross. And I believe we say amen this morning because we've experienced it. We've experienced that healing in the cross, and Jesus is offering that same healing to us today. He can turn our tragedies into joy. He can turn the heartache into hope. Jesus can take these trials into blessing. And today we are going to close where we began Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Considering verses 2 and 3. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 2 and 3. We are reminded here in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. In verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Today, who is it that we consider? Jesus Christ. And when those trials come before us and we think they're too great, remember, consider Jesus Christ. Remember to look at the Lamb because that's where the power is found. Today, by the grace of God, may we recognize that through his power we can overcome the trial. May we see that there are blessings, May we recognize that it is evidence that we indeed are a child of God, and he is working in our behalf. And may we faithfully see the good that can come through the trial. You see, her predecessor had been slaughtered, killed by a proud and ruthless king. And yet there she stood before him, wondering if her own life would be taken. But she was not called for fame. She was not called for fortune. She was not called for a life of ease. Rather, Esther knew that she had been called for such a time as this. And then we see the story of another man of a man who, by all intentions, was abandoned, a man who seemed as though he may have been forgotten, a minister of God, and yet there he was, despised and on a lonely island. And there, as he was shackled on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath, he receives this incredible vision that is the foundation of our faith. This three angels' message that we proclaim by the grace of God. And there on the lonely island, apparently deserted and hated by men, God gives this man an incredible vision that thousands and millions would read for years to come. A man who by faith could say that in heaven there will be no more seas. For you see, it was the seas that separated him from his loved ones. No longer will I be alone. No longer will I be isolated. By heaven's faith, I can look forward and know that someday soon I too will be there. And yet the story is told of, of another man, of a man who his advisor of sorts sold him. You're doing it all wrong. You should know better than that. You could be king This whole nation could be yours. Why do you have to mess it up? Why do you have to sit there idly as they bind you? Why are you taken before the courts? Why are you scourged and beat? You could be free. And yet you see, the one who had it all wrong was Judas. For Jesus knew that the only way to set sin's captives free was for him that night to be bound. And by the grace of God, we can look today at the one who overcame in flesh and blood and know that we too can overcome flesh and blood. See, choosing to rejoice through the trial is not natural, but it's heavenly. And God has promised us today, he who began the good work, not, not necessarily here, the good work in you, Not necessarily bringing you to to the degree, to the college, to the prestige, to the program. That's not it. The focus is, are we becoming more like Jesus through the process? And today God is calling us and he says, you know, when that trial becomes strong, don't grit your teeth. Don't bear it as long as you can. Rather, remember to look. Looking unto Jesus. And by the grace of God, these challenges that he brings into our life, may we grow thereby. Is that your desire in your prayer today? Amen. Amen. If that is, would you just stand with me? Heavenly Father God, Lord, today as we have looked at your word, we have seen so many different circumstances in the life of your children that looked hopeless. Circumstances that seemed as though the wall was before them and there's no way they could cross the sea. And yet, Father, you took their pain and turned it into joy. You took that trial and you turned it into victory. You took that lonely island and you gave a vision that has blessed every single one of us here hundreds of years later. And so, Father, today we want to praise you. We want to thank you so much for even the challenges that have come our way that have drawn us closer to your side. Lord, I just thank you so much that Jesus gets it. That Jesus knows, that Jesus went through it, and that Jesus will continue to carry us through. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that, yes, we might walk through the fire, but Jesus is walking with us. And Father, we just desire that change of heart today. We desire to become more and more like you. We desire to look with your eyes. Father, help us to remember our true purpose. The reason we are here today is to become more and more like Jesus. Open our eyes so that we can minister to those around us and to reveal the love and the grace that you have so abundantly given to us. We thank you, we pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www. Dot audioverse.org.